is. It is good to have him back. If you had your Bible this morning, Hosea chapter number 13, Hosea 13, our memory verse is also our text verse this morning. So we're going to head there to Hosea chapter 13. We've been studying these passages. We started way back in Genesis several years ago. We've worked our way up. Now we're in the minor prophets uh, for We've had, this is our fourth Hosea lesson. If you remember the first lesson, we looked at Hosea and really his relationship with Gomer and their children and how he bought his wife back. And then we had a lesson on, um, uh, last week we talked about removing the bounds as far as, as, far as what, the, what, the, um, what the rules were, how the people had adjusted. This week our lesson is going to be the last lesson out of the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter number 13, just, just as a refresher in case you've missed some of this stuff. Remember, Hosea is a prophet to the northern ten tribes, uh, his, his contemporaries are going to be guys like Micah and Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah is a prophet to Judah, which is the southern two tribes. The tribes that Hosea is involved with, these northern ten tribes, uh, pretty wicked guys, pretty wicked king. And Hosea has been prophesying that destruction is going to come. The Assyrians are going to come because, because of their idolatry, because of their wickedness. And we're going to look at that today here in Hosea chapter 13. Uh, if you jump with me, we're just gonna we're just gonna jump right into the middle of it. Um, Hosea chapter thirteen, verse number four is where we want to start. I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no god but me, for there is no savior beside me. I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. According to their according to their pastures, so were they filled. They were filled. And their heart was exalted, therefore they have forgotten me. And we discussed that last week. Remember from Deuteronomy, Moses warned them, when thou art coming to this goodly land, and when thou art full and satisfied, beware that thou forget not God. Well, they did. Uh, And so because they forgot God, verse 7, Therefore I will be unto them as a lion, as a leopard by the way will I observe them. I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps, and will rend rend the call of their heart, and there I will devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. And here's our text. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. We're going to look at that little phrase. Thou hast destroyed thyself. Father, I pray that you bless us today. I pray that you help us we look at today's thought. I pray, Father, that you help us kind of put it together as far as what's going on here and what you're talking about. And I pray, Father, that you help us to, to be cautious, Lord, in our own lives, that we don't commit the same the same things that cause them to destroy themselves. And I pray for this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Self-destruction, right? Self-destruction. And sometimes, sometimes when, we, when we look at this, there, there are different ways of looking at self-destruction as far as destroying different things. Uh, uh, you all know I'm a, I'm a big sports guy. And uh, there's, a, there's a fairly, uh, fairly, fairly important football game this afternoon. Uh, determining the Super Bowl, so that's a that's a big one. And uh, uh, occasionally, occasionally, teams will be out there playing, and they end up destroying themselves. They shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, in last week's football game, uh, one of the teams decided to punt from like their own 30-yard line and decided to run the ball from 10 yards back, and they got stopped. And it was great for us. And really, that was the turning point of the game. And you can kind of go to that faked punt and say, you know what? They kind of shot themselves in the foot. They destroyed themselves. So we see it in sports. Sometimes we see, we see this idea of self-destruction. Sometimes we can see this in people. You know, um, I don't necessarily like going to see my, my physician, my doctor. And there are times when I go to see the doctor and they'll tell me that, hey, uh, you know, you probably need to cut back on this. You probably need to lose some, lose some pounds here. You probably need to do this. And you know what? You are destroying yourself. 
It's, it's, not, it's not genetics, it's not anything else other than, you know, maybe way too many cookies and donuts. That's, that's self-destruction. It's self-destruction, right? And, and we look at that, and, and sometimes we, we destroy ourselves, we can destroy ourselves physically. Uh, this, this idea of, of, of destruction, um, my wife and I, we've been, uh, uh, I used to read all the time, the Reader's Digest would have these little articles, and uh, they, they changed the, the theme of the different articles, but years ago, it was like, uh, uh, I almost died, and then there were, uh, I survived, and then it's uh, everyday heroes, but the, the, the kind of the theme of that genre was uh, it would go through people that went through some kind of a traumatic event, and then they came through it. And there'd be somebody that was like surfing on the ocean, and a shark would attack them, and they almost died. And, and you look at the stories, and kind of a theme throughout most of the stories is there's a certain amount of, of, of foolishness that got them into this situation that caused them to, yes, you were, yes, you, you survived this time out in the wilderness when you, you know, went through a landslide and stuff, but looking into it, maybe you shouldn't have been out in the wilderness, you know, during that time of year. Yes, you survived the tornado that came through and took everybody out, but they drove to where the tornado was and got in the path of the tornado to try to shoot video footage of the tornado, and then they survived. It's like, that's great, but you put yourself in this situation where this went on. Now, not all the time, not all the time does destruction come from that, and there are several reasons why in our lives sometimes bad things happen, if you will. Sometimes, sometimes destruction happens. It's not always because we've destroyed ourselves. Uh, sometimes it's just simply testing of God. What did Job do to deserve to be destroyed? Not, not really anything. But more often than not, we can destroy ourselves. Now, in the Bible, the, the idea of destruction and God destroying, the first time we saw it was way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 7 and 8, when God destroyed the earth with a flood. That was the first time we see destruction. God said, I will destroy them. The next time we see destruction is with Sodom and Gomorrah when God destroyed the city. The next time we see God destroying somebody is in the book of Exodus when we get into the, the, those Exodus chapters 7 through about 11 when God's going to destroy, uh, destroy Egypt with the plagues, right? And so we kind of see the same where there's sometimes, but again... God destroyed the earth with a flood because of their sin. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin. God destroyed Egypt because of what they were doing to Israel and because he heard the cry of the people and because heart, the, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened and so God's going to destroy. So, so we see where this destruction of God comes through. Even in the New Testament, the Bible talks about destruction and, and destroying ourselves. Uh, in 2 Peter, I'm just going to read this, 2 Peter chapter 3, he says this, and also... In all his epistles, speaking of them, talking, this is talking about the Apostle Paul from the verse before. It says, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as, in all, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do as other scriptures unto their own destruction. And so uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, uh, so Peter says, hey, Paul wrote in his epistles about some things that people do to their own destruction. And we can look in uh, first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 10, and he talks about how, how the, the people were destroyed in the Old Testament, how this is going to get you destroyed. And there's some, there's some times in there where destruction happens. But really, we want to focus on Hosea this morning as far as what, what caused Israel to be destroyed. So you're there in Hosea. Let's go back up to verse number one in Hosea chapter 13. We're just going to walk through this passage here and see what caused them to be destroyed and, and what, what's going to cause us to be destroyed too. Because really, there's a recipe for self-destruction. And there really is. In this self-destruction, it's not just, not just a physical self-destruction. We can self-destruct 
spiritually as well. This idea of self-destruction can happen and, and, uh, and we, can, we can destroy ourselves. Hosea chapter 13, verse 1. When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. Understand what he's saying there. When, when, Israel was speaking, when Ephraim was speaking trembling, the idea here is that Ephraim was, was humble. He was scared. When, Israel, when, when Ephraim didn't think he had it all figured out, when he was trembling, when he spake trembling, when he prayed to God, God, I, I, just, I, I just don't know what to do. He's trembling. He exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. We see later on when we get to like the book of Hebrews that humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. The idea here, when Ephraim spake trembling, he was humble. When he exalted himself, that's when the trouble came from. The first thing that causes self-destruction, pride. Pride. It's what it comes down to. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 18, pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. This idea of hubris. This idea of, I've got this all figured out. Uh, back, in, back in 1910, they were working on the Titanic White Star. And they, uh, they, they press releases and different things out on it. And the, the owner of White Star came out. The, 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 the builder of the Titanic was with him. They had a big press conference. And it was in England. And they said, this ship is so strong. This ship is so safe. The largest ship to ever sail. Not even God can sink this ship. And then on her maiden voyage, we know what happened. The Titanic goes down because of man's hubris, our pride. We, we've got this figured out. And, and what can God do to us? Um, we've been, I've been studying a little bit about the space race recently. And there countless times, well, we're trying to send rockets into space. And we're, we're trying to put all these things together. People would make statements and say, oh, well, well, we've got this. We've got this figured out. We know what's going to happen here. And then kaboom, because of our pride. Because of our hubris. I don't need God. I don't need this. We see that on a big sense, but unfortunately, we also see this on a much smaller sense, too, a much smaller scale in our own lives. Right? How, many times, how many times have you and I gotten ourselves into trouble because we thought to ourselves, I've got this. I got this. I can take care of this. I can figure this out. I'll be just fine. And then destruction. Because pride goeth before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Remember Joshua and the children of Israel, they go out to the promised land. God says, go and take it. The first time is Jericho. That's scary. And they were worried and they were scared and they did exactly what God said. And they marched around the city seven times on that last day and the walls fall down and great victory. And then they go up against that much smaller city. Hey, oh, we got this. What do we need God for? We know what we're doing here. We got, this is way easier than what we've done. We got this. And they fail. Amen. And 36 die. And because of pride. And sometimes in our lives, oh, when it's something serious, God, I need you. God, I need your help right now. And when it's something that we think we've got, oh, God, it's okay. Hey, you, you, God, you can take the day off today. I, I got this. I'm good. I, I, I got this one, God. Now, we don't say that, but we live that. Right? When it's something serious, oh, we're praying all the time. God, please, it's on our mind. God, I need your help. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I don't know what's going to happen. When it's something we think we've got, eh, it's all good. Fine, I got this. Pride, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. 
when we see this idea of pride causing destruction, but that's not all. Look at verse 2. And now they sin more and more. They have made them molten images of silver and idols according to their own understanding. All the work of the craftsmen, they say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. And again, we discussed this last week, those calves we're talking about. It's the idea of the golden calves that were set up by Jeroboam the first, where he set up the golden calf in Bethlehem, set up the other one in Dan, and that turned the heart of the people. And that, that the punishment for what he had done years before is now finally coming to fruition, and this destruction is coming. Uh, this is going to happen. Um, in fact, I'm going to go to 2 Kings. Our Bible is amazing because we get like the whole picture. 2 Kings chapter number 18, this is what's going to happen in the future just a little bit after Hosea was written. And this is when the Assyrians come in. We know that they're prophesied to come in. We know they're coming from history. Well, this is where it happened in Hosea chapter number 18. Um, down in verse number nine, it says, and it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they took it. Even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel into Assyria and put them in Hela and in Haber by the river Gozan and the cities of the Medes. Here's why. Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded and would not hear them nor do them. Tells us very clearly, hey, this is why it happened. By the way, that's not just there in 2 Kings. You can also see a sister passage. You can see in 2 Chronicles, and you can go to the book of Isaiah. All three times, it very clearly says, because of their transgression, because they wouldn't listen to God, because they didn't, because they despised God's word, this is what's going to happen to them. This is what's going to happen through this. And all the way back up here, now they sin more and more. And the second reason is because of iniquity. Sin. Sin can cause destruction. We, we know that. Lust, when it's conceived, bringeth forth sin. Amen. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Destruction comes. Uh, the reason Satan, the reason that Satan, Satan's MO, right? Satan's goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right. That's right. And remember what happened with Balaam? He couldn't get the people to be cursed by God. He tried. Balak said, curse him, curse him. He couldn't get the people to be, so what did he do? Hey, Balak, send, the, your, send, your, send your, your women in there and, and have them turn the hearts of these guys and have them get them to go and serve these false gods. Because if you do, then God will come after them. And that's what happened. And we see it wasn't because of a curse that was put on them. It wasn't because of some great enemy that they went up against. No, self-inflicted destruction. They destroyed themselves. And oftentimes that's what happens to us. We're not, supposed to be, we're, we're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And one of his devices is to get us to destroy ourselves. Amen. He wants us to self-destruct. Hey, he can't come straight at us sometimes. There's protections that God's got in place. There's some things that are in there. Hey, I'm safe. I've got this armor of God. But I can self-destruct. And Satan knows it. And Satan's done it time after time after time in Scripture. The enemies that came up against King David never could defeat him. He went up against a Goliath and won. He went up against all these nations around him and won. What destroyed King David? Where was David's downfall? Self-destruction with Bathsheba. Self-destruction with pride and numbering the people. 
He can fight against King Saul and win. But David beat David. And oftentimes the one that takes us out is ourselves and our sin. And that self-destruction, self-destruction comes through and it's, it's going to happen. And that's what happened to these guys. Their, their iniquity caused it. In fact, um, uh, Proverbs, let me just flip into some of these Proverbs passages. Most of, our, most of these uh, correlate, correlating passages are going to be Proverbs, but Proverbs chapter number 10, 9 verse 29. The way of the Lord is a strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Sometimes it's our own pride that gets us destroyed. Hubris. I don't need God. I got this figured out. Sometimes it's just outright sin. I know I shouldn't do this. I'm going to do it anyway. And we discuss the, uh, this idea of iniquity. It's this idea of a perversion. It's, I'm, I'm, just going to, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm just going to twist it around just a little bit. And that's what happened. Here, the, the next thing we see, look at verse number uh, Verse number three, it says, therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that pass away their shaft that's driven by the, with the whirlwind out of the floor and smoke of the chimney. It says, it's not going to take very long, right? That's the word picture he gives us several different ones. It's like a little bit of steam coming up. It's like a little bit of fog. It's like a little bit of dust that blows around. doesn't last very long. I'm the Lord, the God out of the land of Egypt, and there shall no other, no other God before me, for there is no savior beside me. Uh, Book of Psalms tells us the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Here he said, hey, you're going to know that I'm God. Right now they're acting like they don't know who God is. Who is this God that we should serve? Who, who is this God? That he says, you'll know. You'll know that there's no other God. When I'm done, you'll know that there's no Savior beside me. You'll know I'm the one that's going to save you. In fact, if you go to the very last verse of Hosea, for me it's just on the other page, but chapter 14, verse number, uh, verse number 9. Who is wise and shall understand these things? Prudent. And he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and just, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressor shall fall therein. And again, he says, wise and prudent, and the opposite of that is foolish and scornful. And the other kind of people, the other times that we fall, sometimes I self destruct because of my pride, sometimes I self destruct because of my sin, sometimes we self destruct because we're foolish and scornful. And that foolishness is where we see the facts. We know the truth, but we don't want to know the truth. I know, but I just don't really want to know. I don't have a medical degree. Never went to medical school. Never, never, never touched a, you know, a Gray's Anatomy textbook. I don't know. But I do know when I'm in my bathroom and I jump on my scale and I see those numbers keep climbing, there's something not good. When I go to the doctor... And I jump on the scale and I see those numbers climb there too, ironically. And then I go and sit down and I'm waiting on him to come. And he comes in there, hey, Josh, hey, listen, how are things going? Are you staying active? Are you moving like you should? Like, Doc, you know. You know I'm not. Because, like, those numbers, right? Like, we know. Are you eating healthy? Well, Doc, you know. You know I'm not. Because <laughs> we got these, right? I don't like going in there and talking to him. I don't like sitting there because I already know what he's going to say. Now, if I don't hear what he's going to say, then why change anything? Because he never said it, right? But when I know it, then I've got to do something about it. And that's how we treat God sometimes, right? I know what I'm doing I shouldn't be doing. I know I'm making foolish. I know I'm living foolishly because I, but you know what? I really don't want to know exactly what's going on here. I know it's not good for me, but I don't want to know that it's not good for me. And, and we live our lives like that with God. 
God's word tells us what the truth is. And so sometimes, sometimes we're hesitant even to, to, to read God's word. Sometimes we're hesitant even to, to, to get what the preaching is because I know, but I don't really want to know. I know, it's, I know it's bad, but I don't want to know how bad it is. It's the guy who's driving the car and the check engine light comes on. Ooh, I know there's something wrong in there, but maybe if I just put some tape on here, I'll be okay. Maybe I can just make it up. I don't really want to. I know I could take it into the shop. I know they could tell me what's wrong. It could be something really bad. I don't want to know if it's something really bad. I think I'd rather just not know and just keep driving until, until it doesn't drive anymore, right? And, and just, just not know. Uh, we had a car a while back and my check engine light came on and I saw it. I was like, oh, I need to get this into the shop. I need to get this checked out. So went in and they, they ran the codes and said, oh, there's something wrong with an intake. I said, okay, well, that's, that's a problem. Like, I'll, I'll try and get something scheduled. And so, but I didn't get it done. And so drove it a little bit more and a couple of weeks went by and the light went off. I'm like, oh, good. And the light came back on. It was like blinking. And then it came on and stayed on. I was like, oh. Took it in, they checked it. Yeah, now you've got something wrong with the intake and there's something wrong. Something else is wrong in here too. Now there's like four codes popping up and it says that you need to get this checked out. Took it in to get it checked out and it ended up being like thousands of dollars to fix this. And what had happened is a little fan had broken and then parts of that fan broke off and caused more problems in the engine. And if I had just taken it in when the little blades were coming off on the fan, it's like a $50 fix. And that $50 fix turned into a several thousand dollar fix. In fact, it turned into the car was worth more like as a piece of metal box than it was as a car because like the damage was like, like may as well just replace the whole engine at this point because I didn't go and fix it when I should have. And sometimes we treat our spiritual life that way. The warning flags come on. The, the check your spiritual life light comes on, right? Oh, check your spiritual life. That light comes on. I know I should do, ah, but I don't really want to go there. I don't really want to get this checked out. I don't really want to, maybe if I just ignore this, it'll go away. And we self-destruct. And what was a small problem is now a huge problem because we didn't take care of it here. And what would have been something simple here has now become something huge over here. And we can see example after example after example in scripture of people that had a small problem here. They could have checked it. And they didn't. Think about Abraham. Abraham went and he lied about his wife when he went into Egypt. If he would have checked that problem, think how much easier it would have been for Isaac to not lie about his wife. Or Jacob to not lie to his dad. And over and over and over again we see this, we see this cycle of sin that, that started out as something small and pretty soon it balloons into something crazy big and it could have been checked, could have been fixed. And that's how the foolishness works out. I know, but I don't want to know. In fact, back in Proverbs, um, Proverbs chapter 1, he talks about this idea of foolishness. Um, how long, ye simple ones, will you love your simplicity? And fools hate knowledge, he says. Let me back up and get it exactly right. Uh, this is Proverbs chapter 1. Down in verse number 22. How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity and the scorners delight in the scorning and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye have refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. 
Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none my counsel, and they despised all my reproof. That's what we do, right? God gives us warnings. God gives us warnings. Oh, I don't need to mess with that. Oh, I don't need to take care of that. Oh, it'll be okay. Oh, it'll be okay. Oh, it'll be okay. Then the walls come down. Then the engine blows up on our spiritual life. Then the wheels come off. We're like, God, I need your help now. God says, I warned you. You knew this was coming. And I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation. Your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. Distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then they call. Now you call on God. But it's not till the wheels are off. It's not till we got serious problems. Instead of fixing when it's fixable. The next thing they did back in Hosea. um, uh, Verse number down in verse number nine, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thy help. I will be thy king. Where is any other that may save thee in all the cities? I judges whom thou saidest, give me a king of princes. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up, his sin is hid. Remember when they wanted a king? Give us a king, give us a king. And Samuel warned them, said, if you get a king, this is what's going to happen. That's where God told Samuel, Samuel, they've not rejected you, they've rejected me. And God said he gave them, he sent prophets. And he sent prophets to warn them. He sent prophets to reprove them. And they wouldn't listen. And the next thing that causes our destruction, rejecting reproof. Rejecting reproof. And of these, this is probably the one that I'm the most guilty of. Yeah, there's pride in my life. Yeah, there's sometimes where I live foolishly and I don't want to know. Yes, there's sin in my life. But on a regular basis... Rejecting reproof. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29, down in verse number 11. He gives us a, a, a fairly strongly worded verse about, um, about reproof. And he says, sorry, let me get there. Got sticky pages today. Uh, 29.11 says, uh, sorry, read that wrong, 29.1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. And that's me sometimes. I'm reproved and I don't like the reproof. And usually it's not necessarily what the reproof is. I don't like where the reproof comes from. I don't like it when it's the the city police officer in Perry, Kansas that comes up to me and tells me I was driving too fast down our street. 20 mile an hour, they changed the speed limit. And now he comes by and he doesn't even work all the time. If we call 911, he doesn't show up because he's not there. But, but, in the morning, the one time I'm kind of in a hurry and don't all the way stop when I'm coming to the turn that there's not even technically a stop sign at. So how can you rolling stop through a stop sign if there's not even a stop sign there? But I digress. And he pulls you over. And I listen. I don't know if I've accepted the reproof yet or not. But I do drive slowly down the road because we're proof. Now, he is, honestly, he is looking out for my best interest. And there have been some close calls where I've kind of rolled through that stop sign. And not seeing that there happened to be, you know, a guy in his truck coming the other direction. You know, and maybe there were a couple of close calls here and there. But it's a small town. We all, eh, a little scratch. Eh, it's okay. No. That reproof is there for me but I don't always accept it. I don't like where it comes from. I don't, 
I don't mind when my doctor sits down and talks to me. He's kind of a, he's kind of a, uh, kind of, he's, he's, uh, he's an athlete. He's in shape. He's pretty good. But he's like the different nurses. You never get to choose which nurse you get. And it's fresh on my mind. I was just there last week. And so it's fresh on my mind. You don't get to choose what nurse you get. And so this nurse came in and she was like telling me like, oh, well, it looks like you've gone up a little bit uh, here and your blood pressure is worse than it was the last time. I don't know you, lady. Who do you think you are telling me what I need to do and what I shouldn't do? I've never seen you before in my life. And hey, if we're going to start checking off boxes, let me start checking off some boxes about you. <laughs> Give me that little cuff. Let's, let's just let's get you jump on the scale and let's start talking. About, no, 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 right? Because we don't like where it comes from. And sometimes we do that with God. God sends reproof. And God's reproof doesn't always come from the audible voice of God coming out of the sky. Don't do that. We, we don't get that. Sometimes it's the police officer that pulls us over. Sometimes it's the notice that comes in the mail. Sometimes it's the little kid that comes up to you and says, Oh, hey, I saw this. Reproof. And those reproofs come in, and what are you going to do with it? Because if we don't heed the reproof, that's a check engine light. If I don't take care of it then, destruction. He that, being often reproved, that's me, often reproved. And hardeneth his neck. Just who do you think you are telling me what I can and cannot do? Bless God, you want to see 20 miles an hour? I'll show you 20 miles an hour. Shall suddenly be destroyed. Shall suddenly be destroyed. And then when we're destroyed, it's God, why is this happening to me? God, I can't afford all these bills. I've got all these bills, plus I've got all these tickets to pay for. God, why are you punishing me? Is it really God at that point? And I've got all these tickets to pay for that are self-inflicted because I didn't want to be reproved. Or is it self-destruction? Last but not least, there's uh, one more in uh, Proverbs chapter 13. And, and we see it throughout the whole thing of Hosea here. But they're going to despise God's word. Um, and, and really the idea of despising God's word, uh, they, they didn't like what it had to say. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13 Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. And this idea of despising the word, sometimes, sometimes I don't like what the Bible says. I don't like that if I do this is what's going to happen. I mean, thou shalt not kill. There are some times where maybe, maybe things would be just a little easier if there were a few less annoying people around, you know? Like, let's just, let's, just, let's just work this out, you know? Less annoying people, less problems. It just makes sense. But thou shalt not kill. It's kind of a, you know, I don't necessarily like how all that works out. There's some other passages in the Bible that I don't really like what that says. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it just kind of, it's kind of tough. It kind of hits me where it hurts. And they despise God's word. For whatever reason, the Israelites, they didn't like what the prophets were saying. You guys are worshiping the wrong gods. You guys go out, go ahead, kiss the calves. See what's going to happen. You're going to be destroyed. They didn't like what they didn't like what's happening. Remember with Jeremiah, we had the lesson several several months ago about Jeremiah when they took the when he wrote it all out in the scrolls and they took it to the king and the king started going through it with a knife and started cutting out the passages he didn't like. Ah, oh, burn that. Ah, oh, don't want that. Ah, oh, don't want that. And destruction. Now I don't think we do that, but you know we we do pick and choose which passages we like. Ah, oh, I don't really like to read that, boy. Turn the other cheek. Just 
I don't know. Just who does Jesus think he was telling me that? Like he's God or something? Like, I don't know about this. Like, uh, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. I just don't know if I really like that passage. Like, uh, like, like, I don't think he knows what they did to me. So nah. And we destroy ourselves because we choose what portions of the Bible. We despise God's word here and there. We choose what portions we want. Now, here's the thing. Today, where are you at? Is your spiritual check engine light coming on? You got some pride, that hubris that causes us such great calamity. Maybe you've been foolish. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. It's that, that uh, Schultz from, from Hogan's Heroes. I see nothing. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Maybe it's your rejection of reproof. Maybe there's iniquity and you know it and God knows it. Maybe it's, I just don't want to know from God's word. I, I'm just going to despise these passages. I, I, I know it's true, but I just don't. I'm just not going to accept those. And if I don't accept those, then maybe they won't be true. Destruction. Destruction's coming. And sometimes, sometimes we act like, ah, oh, it'll be okay. Maybe that's what the Israelites thought. But as we saw in 2 Kings, three months, all gone. Gone. And they didn't come back until 1947. Gone. And they don't get it back. Crazy. 